Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Encore with Shannon Fogarty. Arts and entertainment for the Midlands. With the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com It is Thursday evening and that means it is time for the Midlands Dedicated Arts Show Encore with Shannon Fogarty here on Midlands 103. And this show brings you the absolute best of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. To get in touch, pop me a text or a WhatsApp to 083 30 10 103. You can follow us across all of our social media channels at Midlands 103. Make sure you do. We've just put out a fantastic video. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can email me encore at midlands103.com. I would love to hear from you on what you would like on the show. Over the course of this week, the arts scene across the Midlands has been witness to some truly remarkable and inspiring events and some of those include my guests tonight. So I'm going to dive straight in to start. I'm excited to introduce to you a remarkable artist whose journey is as inspiring as her creations. Marissa Halliday, a self-taught artist and devoted mother of three, hails from South Africa and found herself captivated by the mesmerising landscapes, rich history and enchanting folklore of Ireland after moving here in 2019. Now she is residing in the picturesque town of Castle Pollard in Westmead and she is currently exhibiting in the Atrium and Athlone Civic Centre and I'm absolutely delighted to have her on. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us us today uh, thank you so much for having me this is great so tell me um more about the art exhibition that you have taking place in athlone and it's running until september 1st yes um this is my very first solo art exhibition but not only that i think it's the first time i'm exhibiting work that truly reflects my style and the things i've always wanted to paint but didn't have the courage to there's something um, incredibly vulnerable about putting your creative work out there for the public to see. And I've always kind of tried to make my work more palatable for the mainstream or more sellable. And this is the first time I've truly just painted what I thought and what I felt instead of what I thought people wanted to see. So I'm, I'm really, really proud of this. And this, as you said, it's a very personal piece to you because it's to do with your, your mental health. So explain to me more about your, your background in the arts and how you are to be where you are today. Um, yeah, so art, art is truly something that runs in my family. My grandfather was an incredible artist and my mom is a very well-known artist in South Africa. And before we immigrated to Ireland in 2019, I had a very successful career as a fashion designer. So I never really had time to just be creative um, outside of work or outside of a fashion environment. I was working very late hours. It was a very stressful time of my life. And when I moved to Ireland, it was four months before the first lockdown hit. So that was just crazy. Um, I didn't know what to do with my life. I went from being the breadwinner of my family to not being able to find a job that would cover the cost of living and childcare. And then nobody was hiring because of lockdown and the pandemic. And I had three kids that I had to homeschool. I think we all remember that that lovely time. Um, and I needed to figure out how to kind of bring in some income, seeing as we just used all of our life savings just to move across the world. And yeah, it's as strange as it sounds. Um, the most incredible thing in my first few months of living here was that I could see other people's houses. <laughs> like when I would go on walks, I would see other people's houses and they were so beautiful and the gardens were so pretty and 
all the derelict buildings and the old architecture. In South Africa, you can't see your neighbor's house. Like we've got these high security walls. It's very rare to actually see other people's homes. And I needed like a creative outlet. So I bought some watercolors and I started painting these houses I would see on my walks. And I would paint like the derelict buildings. And then I started getting orders for it and it snowballed. And I just started painting commissions like watercolor commissions of people's homes and businesses and wedding venues. And I've been doing that ever since. And then I started using my background in fashion to do illustrations of wedding dresses and wedding outfits. And through that, I slowly started building confidence to work more on original pieces of art on canvas. And I've spent the past two years really finding my style and my technique and what makes my art unique to me. And as I said, the series is the first series I've put out there that's a complete and total representation of like who I am as an artist and what I want to build on. So yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And that's incredible it to think not. it started with, with houses here in Ireland. And I have seen some of your pieces, especially what you have on your Instagram, and your, your designs of some of the wedding dresses are absolutely breathtaking. Uh, thank you so much. So it's fabulous. So I love how this started, but this is a personal journey, um, this ex- exhibition that you have on, and it's inspired by your mental health. Tell me about that story. Yeah, so I I have struggled with my own mental health for as long as I can remember. As a child, I had severe insomnia. I never, ever slept. And I really struggled with depression and anxiety, especially anxiety. And I mean, this is as far back as my memory can take me. And I realize now in hindsight, it was obviously a byproduct of the lack of sleep I got. But back then in rural South Africa, no one knew how to help me and no one did. So I remember my parents really trying and they took me to a psychologist who happened to be the local priest as well. And after about one session, he told them to just ignore me because I was just being selfish and looking for attention and they can pray for me and I'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I just kind of became this child that nobody knew what to do with because I was always sad and I was different and they couldn't understand me. And then when I finished school, I I moved to Cape Town to go to university. And Cape Town's like a really big, vibrant, fun city. And it was just the best time of my life I had. A massive part. Everything was just a big party. It was great. But as anyone with mental health issues will tell you, that when there is a lot of alcohol consumption and other substances being used, it is generally it generally has a really negative impact on your mental health in the long run. And... I really reached a point back then, I think I was about 20, where I knew that I really, there was something wrong. I really needed help. Otherwise, I was not going to survive it. I was not going to make it out alive. And I went on this journey to really try to find help for myself. And it was exhausting. I, I, I can't believe how, I mean, it's still hard for people this day, but back then it was, it was incredibly hard. It was exhausting to find a doctor who would actually listen to me and not just pump me full of medicine. It was exhausting to find a therapist that I felt comfortable with. It was exhausting to find a combination of medication that helped me. I was misdiagnosed a couple of times, which resulted in being put on the wrong medication, which resulted in memory loss and all kinds of other things. But I persevered and I finally found a doctor who listened and who really helped me and it it changed everything for me. It made such a big difference. Um, I was able to learn to live with my brain and how it worked and accept it and realize that it made me who I was. And as long as I continue to work on my mental and physical health, um, that, and as long as I spoke out about it, 
I would get support and I'd be fine and then I can use it to work for me and not always against me. And that doesn't mean that I'm not still having bad days. I still have days where I struggle to get out of bed. It just means that I understand what I need in those times. And it's very liberating when you realize that you don't have to hide those feelings and that people who are uncomfortable around it just don't need to be in your life. And the people who stick around for it are the ones who help you make life worth living. It's very true. The ones that are with you through the hard times are the ones that stick around. And I can understand, uh, I have anxiety myself, so I know what it's like when that takes over and you get into that that panic stage almost and you feel like you can't talk about it. But it's, it's good to know that you're spreading awareness for this because as well as your exhibition, you're actually donating a portion of the sales from your artwork to Pieta. Yeah, I I really believe in the work they do. I I'm hoping like I I wanted I'm hoping some of the paintings sell, <laughs> and then I would donate twenty percent of each sale to to Pieta. Like I just I I wish I had that service available to me when I was in crisis. I I I really commend them for what they do. I, it must be the most difficult job for those volunteers, and I I would really like to make any contribution wherever I can. Um, I for one realize that with the current cost of living crisis, it's not that easy to seek help for mental health issues. And like therapy seems like a luxury and it just all snowballs and they help you when you are at your lowest, like when you think that this is the end. And I mean, it's just amazing to have that service available because not everyone who is on that very dark path or about to commit suicide actually wants to die. Like they just need to make it through that 24 hours or 48 hours and then they can start breathing again and, and be okay. And that is what, what they're there for. And I just think it's incredible. And you're challenging the stigmas surrounded, around mental health. So tell me how your art pieces express that. I, I think that each artwork can be interpreted in different ways. Um, for myself, obviously, each, each painting that is exhibited at the moment is a different part of my own mental health struggle. So... The main one represents intense grief. I, I recently lost a, a very dear friend who has been with me since I was like five years old. And the other one is anxiety, how I feel when I'm anxious or whether it represents drowning or insomnia or any of those things. It all represents a little part of me. But to every person looking at it, it might represent something completely different. It might make you feel something completely different. And it might bring feelings to the forefront that you didn't realize you had or that makes you uncomfortable and I think they're quite confronting and some of them are even a little bit you know dark (laughs) and I think that's what would start conversations and I hope that by being open about my own mental health struggles and by the paintings being so confronting that it would encourage someone else to be a bit more open about this or start a conversation about them and see where, where that leads you. And that's exactly what you want from this. We want to get people talking about their mental health. And it's okay not to be okay. I think that's a a serious message to get out. So how many art pieces do you actually have on display in the exhibition? Oh, gosh. Asking me a good question. (laughs) I think I ended up, because I've chopped and changed that so many times. Like, I think there is 11 on display at the moment. I ended up with 11, yes. That is incredible. I love that. And so if anyone wants to go and see them, they can go down to the atrium uh, that is down in Athlone Civic Centre and it's running until September 1st. So there's a load of time for you to get down and go and see it because it sounds absolutely amazing what you've done and I applaud you for it and I think it's a great message that you're putting out. But for anyone that's listening, Marissa, how can they get in touch with you if they want to talk about, you know, purchasing one of your pieces or just about their own journey? I think the easiest way is my website. Um 
that's where all the pieces are on show on the website as well, and that's where you can purchase the pieces. And that is www.marissahalliday.com. So my mom thought she was really funny when she named me, and she spelled my name very funny. So <laughs> it's www.marizahalliday.com. And then, or just on Instagram, I'm not really big on social media, but I am always reachable there. You can find, just type in my name, you will find me, I'll come up there, um, Marissa Halliday. Uh, and yeah, and I I would really love to get people's feedback or how it made them feel. I'm quite interested in that, and I'm always open to have a chat about, about any issues. I love that. And I cannot wait to see where you go in the future with your peaches. I think it's absolutely incredible what you've done. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. If anyone wants to go and view her exhibition, make sure to go over to the atrium at Athlone Civic Centre or get in touch with her. It's marissahalliday.com, M-A-R-I-Z-A-H-A-L-L-I-D-A-Y.com. Definitely worth it. Next on the show, I have a musician who took part in Three's City Stages Initiative and will perform at Electric Picnic this year. So stay here with me on Midlands 103. Encore, brought to you by the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. From the greatest gigs to the best community shows, enjoy it all in the comfort of our newly refurbished theatre. Your theatre, our home, deancrowtheatre.com. You are listening to Shannon Fogarty on Midlands 103. And eight talented up-and-coming Irish acts are set to make a remarkable transition from the city streets to the grand stage of Electric Picnic. And thanks to the dynamic platform known as Three's City Stages, this thrilling opportunity is part of a broader initiative that has been touring Ireland in 2023, providing budding artists with career-breaking chances across the nation. And I am very, very excited to have both members of Two Time Charlie join me on the show tonight. Reen and Luke, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm thrilled to have you with us. So tell me how this all came about, how you ended up being with Three and then getting this experience uh, at Electric Picnic. Uh, so, like, we started uh, busking during lockdown, myself and Luke, and then uh, the three competition came up kind of after lockdown, just in January, I think, yeah. and uh, yeah. someone recommended that we uh, enter. And we didn't know we were going to, it was a chance to play Irish Picnic. I think the original one was to support somebody in uh, the Olympia, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and we played it, and uh, it went down the trees, um, and uh, then we didn't really hear anything for months. Um, I, I thought that was just the yeah. End that it, was like, it. Like yeah, yeah, you got you got you got the bus with the tree brand, and um, yeah, we got a call in a few weeks ago, uh, probably six weeks ago now. Yeah, yeah um, saying oh, well, we'd like you to play Lex Picnic, and we got to go to Camden Studios and and meet the musical director there, and uh, yeah, get a photo shoot, yeah. act like a real celebrity. Yeah. I, I I can just remember when we got the phone call as well. We both kind of looked at each other, and it was kind of a. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, cool. Inside, absolutely buzzing. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You're trying to keep your cool, like you know. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible to think Electric Picnic. It's one of the biggest festivals out there, and you're going to be performing at it. Yeah, it's, it's class. Uh, when we uh, set up this uh, two piece originally, where now it's six piece, uh, but when we set up the two piece originally, one of the things we wrote down as a goal was to play Electric Picnic. And the last on the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally yeah, yeah. everything we've done so far. Um, and I, I'd made a promise that I wasn't going to go to a festival until I played at one. And then, yeah. so I didn't get to go to all together. Now that was down in Waterford this weekend because we weren't playing at a bus. I get we get to go to Lake's picnic now because we're playing out. Yeah, buzzing. 
I can't believe it. It's, it's such an opportunity for you guys. So tell me a little bit about the band and how you formed and where you're going today. So uh, how the band formed is we were both uploading videos onto like Facebook, Instagram. And uh, uh, I actually knew Reen to, to see and he knew me to see because we had actually been in the same school, in the same uh, same college as well. But uh, never really kind of chatted. And we, I was working down in Wexford and Reen was traveling down to Wexford at the same time. And uh, it was just kind of a, oh, well, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, Oh, I've seen your videos on Facebook. Yeah, very good, yeah. And we kind of got chatting. It was like, ah, sure, we, we go for a jam. And so we sort of just started jamming out. And then it just turned into like an everyday thing. Like I'd say for a good year yeah, straight. Yeah, like, it, it was just turning up. Down. Literally yeah, every yeah. day for like, like, it was like work. Do you know what I mean? We just showed up and just every day went at it. And and then when gigs started, we just jumped on it straight away, like made a bit of a buzz in Waterford. And it's just kind of, Gone, yeah, gone, gone flying from yeah. there, really, yeah. It's been and, great. And to think now you're going to go from Waterford all the way to Stradbally in County Leash. Is this oh, your yeah, first time yeah. that you'll be performing outside of Waterford? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Outside yeah. of Ireland soon enough as well. Yeah, yeah. That's the plan. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the I'm next goal. It's like, going well so far. I know, and this is going to put you on the map, I think. So tell me the selection process for Electric Picnic. How many songs are we thinking? Do you have a you know an exclusive song that you have that you're going to sing, or is it covers? Tell me more. Uh, yeah, so it's a mixed bag of, of covers and originals. Um, we have two out currently. One left to come out for the EP, and then we have another three uh, to come out within uh, the next six months. So at the next picnic, we'll be playing the whole set of uh, the six tunes, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be throwing in some covers as well. And with our own little twist, the little two-time Charlie flavour, we call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sprinkling on that good stuff, like. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm that you we have. Um, so tell me what it's like to write music. Uh, oh, it's like a, an escapism, I suppose. Like, Well, an escapism and then probably like... Yeah, and then hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One or the other. It's like, it's either you show up and like the two of us be like, right, we're going to write a song and it's like the most magical thing. We're bouncing off each other. It's like, oh, we'll do this, we'll do that. Other times you're there for like four or five hours and Can't all you want to do is other. just kill each other. You're hungry, you're thirsty, everything like, you know, and you just kind of... You're just sick of it. But that's all part of it. That's all part of the game. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. part of the fun, you know? It's part of the journey that you guys are, are going on. So how have the, the the city stages supported you throughout this? Great, yeah. Um, well, when we did the promo, or sorry, when we did the um, busk outside tree in Waterford City, um, they put up, uh, put up on a reel and all that crack. Mm-hmm. And so we got a lot of attention there. Uh, yeah. I think we got 30k views on it, so... That helped us a lot, and um, we weren't too like we were well known, but we weren't too well known. We got a few phone calls of people and everything afterwards, and yeah. um, and now since that they've asked us to play Lights Picnic, we have interviews like with yourself, um, and KCLR and WLR and Beast and all that kind of stuff. So mm. it's 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 helped us hugely on on the uh, promotion side of things, definitely. It's a different side to it. Did you ever expect that this is where you'd be going? Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. <laughs> like uh, I, I would say, like I, me personally, I, uh, I just am no good at social media. Never have been. So when I got into this, like I was thinking, yeah, it's gonna be like you know, singing and all this. Like I didn't expect to have this whole other side. Like I remember my dad saying to me one time, it's like it's two words: music, business. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. There's two sides to it. Like you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely incredible. So for anyone that's listening, where can they listen to some of your music and where can they follow you? 
So uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, the uh, name is Two Time Charlie. That's the number two time uh, charity. And then we're on YouTube and Spotify and all that uh, streaming platforms. Um, and we have two tunes there at the moment, one called Levitate and one called Moving On. Uh, and then there's one set to release, not this Saturday, but Saturday after, called Kids. Yeah. Um, That's the 19th of August. August. Yeah. And if there's yeah. anyone that's down in Waterford and wants to come down to Waterford that day, we'll be playing in Jeff's for our EP launch with support from a, a band called Banarua from Waterford as well. Amazing. So I just, before I let you go, I'm just curious now, the name, Two Time Charlie, where did that come from? <laughs> so I get, we get this question so much. Like, <laughs> so the band originally started off as Good Time Charlie. And Good Time Charlie, my dad used to call me Good Time Charlie because all he used to do was just have a good time. I never wanted to do me chores or anything. Like, you know, I just wanted to go out and hang out with my mates and be like, oh, you're just Good Time Charlie, Good Time Charlie. Uh, my dad's from the north as well. So, like, I, I don't know if it's an Irish saying or a northern saying. I don't really know where it came from. But, uh, and then someone mistaken the name because it was the two of us. They were like, ah, Two Time Charlie, is it? Yeah. And then we were like, no, 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 it's Good Time Charlie. Like, almost offended. And then, we kind of turned to each other then about like 10 minutes later, we were like, no, Two Time Charlie don't sound half bad. Yeah, like, yeah, you know? it's got a bit more of a ring yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, and we were like, what else is called Two Time Charlie? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. And Mick Flannery actually released a track a few weeks ago called Good Time Charlie. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Mad. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's too funny. But no, I have to say I, I like the name Two Time Charlie. To be Charlie's as well. We like oh, to yeah. get. So like if someone's like, oh, do you know which one is Charlie? He's like, oh, we're both Charlie. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we just met, you know, because it's just gotten to the point now we're sick of answering the question. Like when people come up in gigs, like, you know, yeah. we're just like, oh, yeah, we're both or Charlie. Yeah. Someone sees you on your own, it's like, oh, one time Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your stage names now. You're both Charlie. But look, Luke yeah. Green, thank you so much for coming on the show. We are very, very excited to have you in Strad Valley and Electric Picnic uh, very, very soon. And we'll have to have a chat to you when you're over there. Definitely do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. See you. Take care. That is Luke and Rian from Two Time Charlie. So make sure to go and check them out on all their social medias and their music that they have out. Moving On is absolutely amazing. I wish I had time to play it right now, but I am running out of time here. But we're really looking forward to seeing them perform at Electric Picnic in Stradbury. But... Before uh, I go, coming up, we have a award winner uh, from the New Jersey Film Festival next on Midlands 103. Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Encore on Midlands 183, thanks to the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre at Lone, with a wide range of flexible spaces, expertise and facilities to make your live stage production, corporate event or community function a success. Your theatre, our home. DeanCrowTheatre.com This is Shannon Fogarty with Encore here on Midlands 103. And from musicians to directors, I am delighted to be joined by award winner, director, Sean Brannock, whose short film Don't Open the Box recently won an impressive four awards at the New Jersey Film Festival. Sean, thank you for coming on tonight. Thanks a million, Shannon, for having me on the show. Firstly, congratulations on not one, not two, not three, but four awards. How did you feel in that moment? I, I felt a bit dizzy, to be honest with you. It was it, It's a lot to take. I knew that 
we were up for uh, a few awards. We've been nominated and, uh, you know, it's great to be nominated. And I was thrilled and I was thinking this is amazing. But to actually come away with four is uh, is mind-blowing, really. And I know I've had you on before to do with your book, but to have you on now and for these four awards, for this movie that you have, Don't Open the Box, it's an achievement. You didn't go over, though, did you? No, no, I'd love to have, but the the budget didn't quite stretch that far. <laughs> it, w- it would have been nice to do it, definitely. But they are sending over the trophy, which is cool. So uh, I'll be definitely taking a snap of that and sticking it up on my social media. So talk me through Don't Open the Box. Yeah, it's uh, like it's a, it's quite a short short, uh, less than five minutes. Um, it's uh, inspired, uh, well, it's inspired by kind of episodes of The Twilight Zone and uh, The Outer Limits, which are in turn um, kind of inspired by Pandora's box. So it's just about this guy who is at home with his daughter and uh, gets a ring in the door and there's this ominous looking box outside and... Uh, as as with all horror films, he should just shut the door and leave it there. But he doesn't. He brings it in and uh, um, chaos ensues. And how long is the is the piece? It's just, uh, it's a little over four minutes. That's it. It's very, very short. It was something that, um, I, like we, I, I decided I wanted to film. I was kind of excited about filming it. I film, a, a, well, I suppose, three or four short horror films every year because, you know, I re- I just really enjoy doing it. And I did talk with Awfully Arts about it and they uh, gave me a bit of support to make the film and I thought I'm going to just go ahead and, and, and do it. But I never expected that it would that it would do as well as it's done. Well, for anyone that does want to watch it, they can watch it now on your YouTube channel because you have it uploaded there. That's correct, yes. So everyone go to irishhorror.com that's right. Yeah, definitely worth the watch now. Horror films, it's the music in them that always get me. How did you find creating the whole piece? Uh, it was, it was, it took, all of these things take longer than you think. You know, you go into it and you think, this is very simple. You know, it's in one house with one actor. My daughter's in it as well, but I, I filmed her scene kind of afterwards. So uh, I thought, oh, you know, we're going to, this is going to be so easy to film. We'll just film it here. We'll have it done in, in, three or four hours we'll be able to relax and then and, and watch a movie you know or something at the end of the night but it didn't go that way and and they never do even though it was it was very well organized i'd storyboarded the whole thing start to finish there was no shots wasted in it and um, but uh, it, it always takes longer than you think even though i filmed a lot of these uh shorts and, and a feature over the years and you always think okay i've got it i've got it perfect now but uh but they do take longer, so it ended up, we were shooting it till about half three in the morning and, and collapsed into bed. So we were delighted, though, with what we achieved in the end. It always takes, but that's just it. Good things take a bit of time, so that must have been incredible. But, I mean, having your daughter in that, how was that? Ah, it was really cool. It was great. I've, I've two daughters, they're twins, uh, they're nine, and they are very enthusiastic about being in my films. I, like, I used to, it's funny because I, I, I've i got lots of horror props around the house, like masks and, and arms and, you know, fake blood and all this sort of stuff. And you'd think they'd be traumatized by it. But they, <laughs> I suppose the fact that they're so used to it now, they uh, just find the whole thing very entertaining, you know. Um, uh, so I, 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 they know that I make the films and they just, they want to be in them all. They're adding to their portfolio if they decide to become um, actors. And I know they should be studying your book if they ever decide they want to go down the same route as you as becoming a director. 
Absolutely. No, it's true. It's true. Well, uh, you know, it's hard to get it's hard to get children in in films and having twin girls and they're identical is like is great. You know, you can you can swap one in for the other if you need to and, uh, and just keep shooting away. So so they're great. And, they're, and, and the fact that they're so enthusiastic, you know, is, is brilliant. That's a great advantage to have when you've got identical twins. <laughs> It is. It is. I, I, I'm kind of writing things now and putting them into them. You know, like even the the new things that I'm writing, I'm thinking, okay, well, what can I what can I write that that they that they could do and that they they'd enjoy? You know. And it's great to give them a peek inside, you know, the film industry world and how it's done and, you know, the work that goes in to create all these pieces. Because as you said, it does take a bit of time, and not a lot of people would know the background for some of of the movies that are created and how much work and effort and effects and everything that go into it no it's true like they they say it's about a day a minute um normally you know and i suppose the bigger blockbusters you'd, you'd be probably a day every 10 seconds but um i i do try like it's, it's a good skill to learn and i do show them what i'm doing and they used to kind of run around it i bought them a little kitty zoom camera years ago and they used to run around with it and i was telling them about the importance of keeping the camera stable that you know, if you run around with it too much that you're just going to make people sick from all the movement. And these little little tips, you know, but they've taken it all in. And, and uh, you know, I, I imagine they'll be shooting their own stuff with, within no time. So I know you had a friend work on the mysterious box, the Pandora's box that was in your short. Tell me about the box and how it was created. Yeah, um, she's amazing, Lisa Zagone. She uh, does a lot of costumes and uh and prop work with me, um, so I've 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 worked with her a lot over the years. But I I I got a box which was the most ordinary, mundane-looking thing. It certainly wouldn't fit a horror film at all. It's it, not the least bit scary. Um, and I gave it to her, and I said, "Look, can you can you do something with this and make it look like it it came out of hell?" And she sent me all these different ideas, um, and. Uh, that one that she came up with in the end, which was the sort of a burnt box with a with a subtle inscription on the top, um, I just thought, okay, that's perfect. You know, that's exactly it. She was going to put lining inside it and everything, but because and I don't want to ruin the ruin the thing by giving away too much, but I do put some special effects in the box, and it's easier to do if there's no uh, lining on it or anything like that. But the exterior of the box looks looks great, so I have another. Another one of her props here in the house. I'll, I'll have to start filling up the attic soon enough. That's amazing. And uh, to have all those props and everything, it's just, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I know from speaking to you before, horror is something that you're very, very interested in. And to see your YouTube channel and everything growing, you're going in a fantastic direction. So when do you actually receive your rewards from New Jersey? You know, they say they're in the post. <laughs> so I don't know. I Like, you know, the way that could be any time. <laughs> I, I, I'm anytime I see the postman passing by, I'm looking out thinking, is this it? Is this it? Uh, so I'll have to just sit back and accept that they'll arrive whenever, but uh, hopefully um, in the next week or two. I'm, I'll be very excited now to keep an eye on your social channels to see what they look like. I mean, it's an incredible achievement to have for these short films that you make. So what does this mean for your future now? Well, I suppose it's it's great to get that sort of recognition, you know, it always helps. And you notice that people kind of look you up, lots of people within the industry are getting in touch and congratulating me and the, and the rest of the people involved. And it's just, it's just good. It kind of puts you on the map. And I suppose there, there is that element of the industry that 
you know, you have to be kind of constantly putting yourself out there that that people forget fairly soon if you're not constantly uh, putting stuff out there. But the but the thing is, for me, I enjoy putting stuff out there. I'm actually, uh, I, if I could do it 24-7, I'd be doing it. I, I just am really enthusiastic about about shooting stuff and about writing stuff and about working and collaborating with other talents and, and, and putting work out there. And I just enjoy it so much. So um, I decided years ago, uh, I was, uh, you know, you'd be in a panic thinking, I really want to, you know, I want to make that Hollywood blockbuster. I want to, I want to get there, you know, now, whereas these days I'm, I'm a bit more chilled out and I just think, look, I'll keep putting out the work. Um, and uh, at some stage, the chance will come along to, to do something with a with a bigger budget on a on a bigger scale. And I mean, if you enjoy what you're doing in the moment, it just makes it that much better. So it sounds like you have such a passion for it that it's not a job. It's it's something that you just enjoy doing. Big time, absolutely. You know, it's it. Now <laughs> there have been times where I'd be where I'd be telling people around me if I ever say I'm making another movie, tell me I'm not. But they know me by now. You know, they know I'm good, just going to do it anyway. So they go, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Like you know, because there's always something that happens on set that you think you know how could this happen it's 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 something that comes out of left field you know you you think you've access to a building and you don't or 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 a prop breaks or something and you're thinking oh my god how am i going to get over this but that's all part and parcel of it and the longer you're making films you just adapt to these things and and keep on going and that's just it you know it comes with time you find the little you know hacks that you can get around things with and tell me about your lead actor um that was in the play john ryan howard who played your lead yeah, he's brilliant. I, I've worked with him on a, on a, a number of films over the years, and, and not only um, is he a great actor, but he's also uh, super enthusiastic, you know. And he'd help out. He's helped me out with with shoots before. Like I shot a film, Your Next, years ago, um, also helped out by Awfully Arts. Uh, that we shot that during COVID, and uh, he put on the creature costume, and um, which was also done by Lisa Zagoni, actually, and. Uh, he put on the costume and, and ran around, um, you know, as as directed. But it wasn't something that, uh, you know, I, I can kind of ring him up and ask him, will you help out with things? And he'll do it as well as being a great actor, which is so important. And, I, and I've been very lucky with the with the people I've worked with over the years, cast and crew, that, that everyone kind of goes above and beyond. And, and there's that great enthusiasm there, which really does make everything so much uh, easier and so much more fun to and that's just it. When you have a great team behind you like that, the end product is always just so much better than what you ever envisioned because everyone has the same passion and drive for it to work and to come out as the best possible thing. Absolutely, it's true. And you, you have all that and then you get to enjoy the whole process too, which means that people are enthusiastic about working together again and you don't you don't worry about that call when you're ringing someone up and going, look, do you, are you interested in this? And uh, I had wanted to do a short another short with john and uh when i rang him up about this he was straight away yeah love it let's do it i love that i love that when you have a group like that and it's great to have this in the midlands and to be able to do this because i mean we have such a variety of locations and incredible people so he's using this for his portfolio you're using this and winning awards so i think it's absolutely amazing what you're all doing together so can we get a sneak peek into what you're planning for the future right now yeah, well, I'm doing. I'm I'm working on a couple of other shorts um, that I'm hoping will. I'll probably have two more before the year is out, and um, that will be around the same kind of five minute things. And I also, 
I'm sending around a haunted house uh, horror film to try and get um, get support for it. It's something you know that it, that would require a bit a bit of a budget to make. Not nothing huge, but you know. And I'd love to shoot it in Tullamore. There's a few locations there that that I'd love to use, and that it'd be just so perfect, you know. So I'm selling it as as being shot in Tullamore, you know. But I'm talking to people in the UK and in Ireland, and uh, fingers crossed that they that they get behind it because it'd be very exciting. Oh, that's amazing. So if anyone listening now wants to get behind this, how can they get in touch with you? Um, I suppose the best way is just uh, irishhorror.com because that's that's kind of the easiest thing to remember. Um, my own website is seanbrannock.com. So, um, you know, you can get in touch with me there too. The email is there and social media and all the rest. So we can get in touch with you in any way, shape or form. And I am absolutely delighted for you with your four awards. I think it's absolutely incredible and well-deserved because the work you've put in, as I can see on your YouTube channel, is just spectacular. Thanks so much, Shannon. It's fantastic. And I'm delighted to have you on the show again. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. And I cannot wait to see what you put out in the future. Thanks a million, Shannon. It is great to have Sean Brannock on the show and I am so happy for all of his success and I cannot wait to see what he comes out with in the future with all of his Irish horror. It's amazing. Make sure you go to irishhorror.com and watch some of his videos. They're definitely, definitely worth it. We are coming close to the end of the show but up next after this short break, a search for information leads a Kerry woman to Offaly. Hmm. Find out all right here on Midlands 103. Encore, in association with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre at Cologne, our bright and airy AIB gallery and cosy theatre bar can cater for smaller private events too. Your theatre, our home, deancrowtheatre.com. Welcome back to Encore with Shannon Fogarty here on Midlands 103. And I'm now joined by Dr. Fiona Brennan, a distinguished theatre historian, archivist and independent researcher. And her work dives deep into the amateur drama movement, which has often been overlooked but plays a pivotal role in our cultural heritage. Her research has brought her all the way to County Offaly. Dr. Fiona Brennan, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Hi, Shannon. Absolutely delighted with the invitation. Really appreciate it. Anytime. So your dedication to uncovering the history of amateur drama is remarkable. So tell us a bit about your journey and how you ended up in County Offaly. Okay, well, I suppose that my husband would describe it as a bit of an obsession with me at this stage. Um, okay, I did very, very briefly, I suppose, I first get my toes into researching um, amateur drama in Kerry, where I'm from. Um, back, oh my God, almost 20 years ago now when I was doing my MA thesis in UCC under Dr. Jeffrey Skibben. So kind of from that time, I became absolutely hooked and I went on and I used to do a PhD on the Abbey playwright George Fitzmaurice. So I kind of parked the amateur for a while and then got back into it again. So I've been kind of dipping my toes in it on and off for the last number of years. Um, and as I say, I just think it is one of the most neglected aspects of our social, our cultural and our theatre history. And basically, I suppose it's a, a campaign in some ways just to try and get people to appreciate it. That's I'm talking about kind of, you know, say the, the historical um, family, as it were. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work with, say, in County Kerry. I was working with the Kerry Writers Museum. 
and we collaborated on an exhibition and I was also involved in archiving their fabulous little archive of amateur theatre and I was basically looking at the influences that amateur drama had and how important it was for villages, towns right uh, right across the county and it's something that could be replicated in every county and in May this year I gave a lecture at the All-Ireland Drama Festival in Athlone um, to celebrate its 70th anniversary and that kind of brought me back to County Offaly um, because I'm involved in a couple of research projects one, I got a small bursary from the Royal Irish Academy uh, to do some work on the the role of amateur drama after the Civil War um, and how important it was because amateur drama was second only to the GAA in the mid-20th century, especially the 1940s and 50s. So it really can't be underestimated. So what brought me to County Offaly, as I was saying, was a man by the name of A.P. Fanning. And I think his brother was founder of the Midland Tribune. But A.P. was a teacher and he was born in 1905 in Burr. He taught for a while in Newry, and then he found himself in Tralee. And that's what his contribution to amateur drama in Tralee and County Kerry was just phenomenal. He started the Tralee Theatre Society there in the 1939, and by then he had had his play Vigil, which is a Civil War one-act play, he had that staged at the Abbey in 1932 and it had been revived in 1937 um, and also it was staged in Burr in 1934. So that is what has brought me to County Offaly in search of more information on AP Fanning. And that's just it, because we had gotten an email from you and you were looking to make that's a call right. out to the people of the Midlands to see if you could get any that's more right. information on him. And have that's you right. found some? Do you know what? I mean, I must say, even though I'm a Kerry woman, and you might remember this, Shannon, but we were beaten to a five in a row by a County Offaly team in 1982. They put pay to all our dreams. Um, but it um, it has been absolutely brilliant. I mean, the response I've got from getting your call and your interest to uh, Garold Keegan, uh, to Derek Fanning in the newspapers there, and I have managed this just this evening through people's help to uh, make contact with AP's grandson, Dion Fanning, whose father is the late Angus Fanning, who was editor of the, the Sunday Independent. So from my call last week out to people of County, the media of County Offaly, it's just been fantastic. And that it's brought me hope, you know, to um, be able to find out more about AP Fanning because he's an absolutely fascinating character. I mean, his, he had a pageant play, religious pageant play staged in Burr. Uh, the people of Burr were incredible in the, the little theatre they built. This is in the mid-1930s when there's absolutely no money. There's nothing. I mean, we're in a relatively new state that's almost a decade old. And that's what amateur drama did for people as well. Um, it really drove them on. And I suppose what was also very, very important in terms of amateur drama in Ireland was the church frowned upon the new Hollywood craze, millions of tickets were sold in the mid-30s for people to go to the cinema. People loved these new foreign dances and religious authorities wanted to look after people's moral lives, frowned upon these foreign influences. So they banned uh, cinema going and dances during the pre-Easter season of Lent. So when people didn't have 
any other social entertainment for those six weeks or so, they turned to amateur drama. And it really started the craze. And County Offaly was so rich in drama, particularly in Burr and also in Tullamore. And they had huge success at the at drama festivals and at the All Ireland eventually. So very, very rich amateur dramatic history in County Offaly. There really is. And I have to say, throughout the whole of the Midlands, there is a great amateur yeah. drama f- just for everyone. I've, I've seen a couple of plays from some of the amateur groups around and they're spectacular yeah. in the talent that they have in those groups. Yeah. And Absolutely. I think it's incredible what you're doing, having a look back through the history and where you're going with this. Thanks very much, Shannon. That's brilliant. And as I say, I mean, I suppose my call is, um, I would imagine tonight that there are people that are listening and they mightn't have been involved directly with amateur drama. It might be parents, grandparents. There might be that they recall talking about going to plays, being involved in plays. There's a lot of material over the years, the material that I've come across, that people have been so generous in giving me old programmes going back to the 1930s. And photographs, I've discovered lost play scripts, as far as university archives in the States, and I kid you not, you know, you know, manuscripts by, uh, by Irish writers that have been neglected. So I know there are boxes under beds, boxes in attics, stuff, you know, that people just accumulate and leave there. And that's the kind of material that I would urge people to have a look for and talk to, talk to family members and just see if they have anything. And if I can, Shannon, leave mm-hmm. my contact details with you. And if anybody would like to chat to me more about amateur drama in the county or can give me any information on AP Fanning, uh, they might recall family members long ago that would have seen some of these plays, anything at all. You know, any information that people might think, ah, sure, that's not important. Trust me, I would love to talk to people. And I travel all around the country to meet people, Shannon, so I have absolutely no problem getting in the car and uh, travelling to anywhere in County Offaly. And I have to admit, the people in Offaly and throughout the Midlands are just incredibly, and they're very giving. And I know, for one thing, if they have something in their homes or in their attics that they might think, ah, that's just rubbish, you know, that doesn't mean anything. It could mean, you know, something that will break something for you. Oh, oh, definitely. I can, if, if I just very, very briefly, Shannon, I, I'll just tell you a story. There was a lady by the name of Margaret O'Leary and she owned an antique shop in Killarney. And she died there a couple of years ago. And I was introduced to her by somebody else I was interviewing. You know, look, she'd be, she'd be very good to chat to because she had been a volunteer during the Kerry Drama Festival in the 1950s. Anyway, she was, uh, you know, she wouldn't suffer fools sadly, but went to her house and we chatted for a little while and I kind of knew it's time to leave. I just knew I didn't want to stay my welcome. Stood up to go and she said, look, hold on a minute. And she came back, I kid you not, with three large scrapbooks, wow. including some beautiful um, programmes, the programmes kind of in the 40s and 50s. I mean, very thin little A4 sheets of paper. And... I, I mean, I just, I couldn't hardly contain myself. But um, I knew if I asked her, could I take photographs of them, she wasn't going to allow me. So I just knew, look, they're there, brilliant. You know, the, she, she's minding them. Uh, a wow. couple of years later, I was at the Kerry Drama Festival and talking to Jerome Stack, the chairman. And he said, oh, somebody was trying to, to, um, to get in touch with you. And I said, who was it? He couldn't remember her name. It suddenly dawned on me. For some strange reason, reason, Margaret Margaret's name came into my head. Yeah. 
Wednesday the following week, Shannon, a big padded envelope in the post. And it was Margaret sending me the, po- the, wow. the programs. That you is know, absolutely and, incredible. Um, so there, there is material there. Yeah. There and is, I mean, if know, anyone if anyone has anything that they want to send over to Dr. Fiona Brennan, they can get in contact with Encore at Midlands103.com and I will be more than happy to put you in touch with Fiona. <laughs> Fiona, thank you so much for coming on and telling us the story and hopefully uh, now people really, have really some bits for you. Thank you so much, Shannon. As I say, really appreciate this. Take care. No problem. So again, if anyone has anything that they think would be worthwhile, if anything on AP Fanning or anything to do with amateur drama that you think Dr. Fiona Brennan would like, make sure to send it to Encore at Midlands103.com. Just before I finish up the show, I want to say a massive thank you to Stephen, who sent me the nicest postcard during the week. It has Ross Castle, Killarney, County Kerry on the front, and he has a very, very sweet message. So I just want to say a big shout out to you, Stephen. Thank you so much. That really brightened up my day when I saw it, and I thought it was the sweetest thing. So thank you. I really, really appreciated that. I thought it was I thought it was so adorable. But that is all the time we have uh, for this evening on Encore. Hope you've enjoyed the show just as much as I have. Thank you to all of my incredible guests that have joined me. And remember, if you want to listen back to any of the interviews, just go to midlands103.com and go to podcasts. I will have this one up to- for you tomorrow. I'll be back next Thursday with more of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmead. And if there's anything that you want included on next week's show, make sure to email me encore at midlands103.com or of course through any of our social media channels at midlands103 stay here as joe cooney with country roads is up just after the eight o'clock news have a great weekend i will be back in this hot seat from seven o'clock next thursday with more amazing things that are happening across the arts with all of you incredible people thank you have a great night 